0: When you first got to the varsity basketball team in Lone Oak, Arkansas, who was the first person to, to give you that butt kick and kind of welcome you to the varsity level?
1: Well, we had a lot of players in our gym that would do it, um, uh, cause we were a very successful program, but my junior year, our football team was still in state playoffs. So at the beginning I got to play quite a bit and, uh, we were playing Oak Grove high school who had the number one player in Adrian Peterson, uh, at the state of the state, not the football player, Adrian Peterson, right. yeah. the basketball player. And, uh, You know, I just heard he had just come back from Syracuse and he had won Mr. Basketball at that. And so I was like, okay, when I see him, because I'm probably going to be matched up against him, I'm just going to throw stuff to the wall. And so he caught it on the baseline, the short corner area, gave a little up fake, and I went for it, except he wasn't there anymore. And they, you know, one (laughs) dribble around me, two steps, dunk, and I was like, okay, I guess uh, he's, he's pretty good. I need to slow down and just play, you know, a little more fundamental. So. That was my introduction, really, to real varsity basketball. It's,
2: it's it always feel like I need one more boy. And one more line record the track just one more time my family think i bought my head lost my mind and them sure i'm just fine i'm good enough but i need one more boy and one more line record the track just one more time my family think i bought my head lost my mind and them sure i'm just fine i'm good enough but i need one more boy one more line record the track just one more time my family think i bought my head lost my mind them i'm just fine i'm good enough, I'm fine, I'm good enough. but you'll be told i need some therapy initially ain't do it voluntarily but now i got a legacy
0: all right welcome to another brand new episode of the team player podcast this is episode number 66 this is one that i'm really excited about this is a coach that i've really gotten to kind of observe from from afar you know, I've, I've I've actually been covering quite a bit of Spring Branch athletics the past couple of years of Vibe, uh, both football and some basketball, and I've I've really seen what he's been doing. Got to see his team this year in action. Oh my goodness, it was a season for the ages. The other thing I love about this guy is his presence on Twitter. He is just constantly talking about the history of his team and 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 talking about some of the the, the graduates and the alums and even the future generation. It just really impresses me from afar, and so I finally just. I finally reached out on a on, uh, Facebook Messenger or Twitter and kind of got connected and got started talking to this guy, but he is now the head girls basketball coach for the Memorial Mustangs and Spring Branch ISD. It's my honor to welcome Yusuf Larry to the show. Thanks for coming, Coach.
1: Well, thanks. I appreciate it. I'm excited to be on.
0: Yeah, coach. I mean, like I said, let's just let's just kind of uh well let me let me get some of the business stuff out of the way first and we'll get to talking. If if you're a part of the team player movement, and you're enjoying the show, please take a second to give us that five-star rating. We're up to 57 on Spotify now, so we're really starting to grow. But something bad happened. Somebody must have given us a one star something rating, because we now have a 4.9 overall, and that is just eating at me, team player podcast nation. So please, if you if you listen to this show and you have not rated on Spotify, please go right now and give us as many five stars. Cause it, we have been five stars for over a year. And some somebody had to had to give us a bad rating. So we're at 4.9. So let's try to fix that. Uh, we got 27 on Apple Podcasts. If you want to leave a written review, I'll read those on the show. And then you can hit the follow button to subscribe and you'll get a new episode in your queue every Sunday. We'll be honored. The team player podcast made it into your rotation. I'm your host, James Kovaleski. Please follow me on Twitter at coach underscore Kovo. That's coach underscore K-O-V-O. So coach, you know, I've always kind of known of you. I mean, my my good friend, Brett Nixon was coaching at Memorial, you know, for a time. I know you guys worked together for a time. And I, I, I coached at uh, Fort Ben Clements basketball for a little bit. I remember coming to your place to play you guys in non-district and I've always just been aware of you, but never got to meet you in person. Then this year I just started really following more on Twitter uh for my broadcasting. I was doing a lot of Memorial football games and I started getting interested in the basketball teams and just kind of following on Twitter. And, and just just talk about let's let's kind of get into your 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 background a little bit as far as your 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 Twitter persona, man. I mean, I just I really like the approach you take as far as the promotion you do for your program.
1: Right. Well, I think, you know, somebody's got to advocate for your program. It might as well be you, right, to start yeah. off with. Um, my background is actually in business. I went to Harding University. I got my master's in business administration from there. So I like to think that I see my program as me trying to market it yeah. to, you know, to people that that would want to consume it and be a part of it. And so that's the reason why I'm I'm pretty active and why I try to keep in touch and keep everybody plugged in. It's just probably because of that background.
0: And this guy understands marketing and branding because he is one of our few Team Player Podcast alums. He has he has worn a jersey into the Team Player Podcast studio, so he's not the first, but he he is one of the few. He is rocking his Cubs jersey, so we'll get into that fandom in a little bit. I'm wearing my Jawan Howard throwback. This is pre Jawan, but it is number 25, so Jawan's number, but it is like the the throwback before uh, before right. the Fab Five. But uh, well, Coach, let, let's go all the way back to the beginning. You mentioned Lone Oak, Arkansas. Uh, that's just about. 30 minutes uh, due east of, of Little Rock. And I looked it up on, on the map. I mean, your high school is right there in little downtown Lone Oak. So it seems like a really cool little spot. What was it like growing up in Lone Oak, Arkansas?
1: Great. Uh, I mean, the people that we met in kindergarten, the kids that we met in kindergarten, those are the kids that I graduated with. My mom taught eighth grade from you know for 38 years in the district. So I knew that I couldn't really be a troublemaker because my first day in school, somebody's like, oh, you're Miss Larry's son. Yeah, she taught me. And I was like, well, I guess that's it. And so my uh, my aunt was an assistant principal. So, you know, small town of about 4,000 people. So my mom was also the baby of 16 kids. Wow. Yeah. If I got in trouble in one place, I got in trouble all the way back home. And so, you know, small town that sort of kept me, uh, I guess, grounded. And and that's sort of where I came from.
0: And then as far as for high school, of course, you, we mentioned you went to Lone Oak High School and your coach was Phineas Wilson. Uh, we talked about that, you know, that varsity moment a little bit, but like, what, just talk about your experience, you know, uh, playing basketball. there. You mentioned it was an extremely talented program right. and j- just what was it like playing for coach Wilson and also kind of being a part of a, a program that was perennially so powerful.
1: Right. I think it was great. I mean, uh, if, even if we go back before I actually became an actual member of the program, you know, on Tuesday and Friday nights, you know, everybody in the, in the town was at the basketball game. Yeah. So we would go, and I'd watch my cousin's teams play, and they were very successful. And it just built in that sense of, yeah, this is what I want to do. This is what I want to be a part of. And then uh, my 10th grade year, I made the team. And Arkansas, 10 through 12 is is really high school. Ninth grade is still with junior high. And so my 10th grade year, I made the team. Uh, we were really successful. I think we were 26-4 and four. my sophomore year. made it all the way to the regional quarterfinals. We actually got beat by uh, Perryville High School, who their star player was Keith Carter, who went to Ole Miss and played there. And he's now the athletic director at Ole Miss. Uh, they beat us in overtime. Uh, so each of my three years, we were beat by the team at Winning State. My senior year, we were 24 and six, ended up getting beat by uh, Scotty Pippen's cousin in Hamburg, Arkansas and uh that was another overtime game heartbreak
0: you know just basically one game away from the state tournament is scotty's from arkansas right didn't he go to uca yep very cool very cool because i mean you know um you i I don't meet a lot of people from arkansas here you know in in houston you know how it is a lot of transplants a lot from the midwest especially i've seen you know a lot of iowa wisconsin you know and stuff like that but outside Kenny Simpson who I've never met in person he's one of our team player alums both of you guys went to Harding University we'll get we'll talk about that in a second but do you find many other people from Arkansas or are you have you not seen that Not a lot the only thing I find about Arkansas is
1: people say they they love traveling there and I'm like really and they're like it's so pretty and I was like it's just different you know it's I think that we get fascinated by the fact that there are trees there as opposed to here you just there's so much concrete here and so
0: differences but sure no i don't see a lot of arkansans here arkansas that's one of my questions what do you what do you call and what's the state nickname i think we're the natural state is the natural state yeah very fitting It it is beautiful i do travel there for work for time to time conway arkansas is a dactronics yeah. customer that we recently did an install for them so okay. well let me ask you this coach from a coaching perspective and this has come up a couple times you're someone, you know, I'm sure you you were a great player back in your day, but you, you played in a program that was so talent loaded that you mentioned you you played a little bit as a junior and then you really didn't have a steady role on the team in game to, through all the way through your senior year. Michael Vitek, you may have come across him. He's the head girls basketball coach at Ridge Point. You guys could maybe be playoff <laughs> opponents at some sure. point. On his episode, he talked about he actually, he's my first ever. He did not play high school sports. Okay. He did not play a single sport. Now he's leading one of the better, you know, perennial programs in the area. Uh, coach David Rookert, who used to be uh, Rookert, used to be the head coach at Aldine. You know, where I was was coaching. He he was the girls' basketball coach there. He he was cut from his team, kind of like kind of like a Michael Jordan, but not just cut as a sophomore. I mean, he he was cut and, and did not was not able to make the team going forward as in his high school career. Both of those coaches talked about those experiences of being able to kind of be on the sideline or maybe not be the star pouring in 20, 30 points a game, they felt like it made them better coaches. I'm curious for you, that experience of being on the bench and being part of a winner and seeing it maybe next, you know, next to coach Wilson, maybe you're seated right there next to coach Wilson. Did that influence you as a coach or kind of that, that analytical perspective that you have now?
1: That's a good question. Um, I think it may have driven some of the, uh, the team and the role understanding portion of things. I mean, my senior year, everybody was 6'5". We didn't have a lot of big kids, but everybody was 6'4", 6'5". We had, I think, the 31st best player in the country. We, I mean, we just had a lot of talent. And so I was never the one that was trying to be the offensive scoring person because sure. we had people that did that. So Dennis Rodman is one of my favorite players of all time. And so I tried to model my game after Dennis Rodman. And how could I do all the little things that these other people really didn't want to do, but it would help us and would help them be the best that they could be. And so maybe just taking the whole role, you know, whatever my role could be, however I could help, I think that probably has, uh, has helped out a lot.
0: I think that's excellent coach. And I mean, I could, I, I saw that in your team. We'll talk more about your team now, but I mean, I, I could see the culture just oozing off of these girls. I mean, they, they really were playing as one, but let's talk about your college experience. Okay. You went, you stayed kind of on the East side of little rock there, but this time uh, you go to Harding university. It's in Searcy, Arkansas, about 50 minutes Northeast of little rock. What, what led you to go to to Harding? And then when, when, when you got there, what were you studying? Um, it, it just was
1: it, Harding is a small private Christian university um i liked the atmosphere there it was either between there or lyon college which is up in bakesaw a little bit further northeast that i was going to go to both private schools um my cousin was i think she's 2 years older than me so she was at uh, harding already participating in some things and again it just it felt like a fit and so when i went there i originally started off as a computer science major after turning in a project late, even after staying up 18 hours past the due date working on it, I was like, I don't I don't want to do this this way. I love technology. I love computers. But I don't want to be on this side of it. And so that's when I switched to to my business management degree and and started pursuing that in, in the MBA.
0: So one question I always ask is, and I, and I already know the answer to this, because you said that you started in a career in business. You you did not see yourself as a coach when you were a student at, at Harding.
1: I always sort of saw myself as a coach, but coming from small town, Arkansas again, think about the course selections that we have to offer in high school. So all of my coaches were social studies teachers, PE teachers, and I'm a person that I want to be passionate about the things that I'm doing. And so while I would have enjoyed coaching, I didn't want to just teach history just so that I could coach. And uh, so I'd been working for three years doing some marketing and inventory management with with a company in Arkansas. Uh, And my wife, who's from Katy, wanted to get back closer to home. And so that's when the opportunity at Westbury Christian came up and they told me I could teach computers. I could teach multimedia and web design. And I was like, that's right up my alley. And, uh, but I could still work with the basketball program. And so in doing that, it just, it made sense. And so now I could get into coaching something that I was passionate about in sports, but then I could also be teaching something that I was passionate about, as opposed to just being in a classroom, uh, just teaching a subject so that I could coach.
0: Awesome. And, and I'm just curious for your wife, because I, I actually just moved to Katy. We, we, <laughs> just weeks ago, we've, we've moved here to Katy. What what part of Katy, what, what high school did she go to? She went to Katy High School, so... Very cool. We also are now living in the Katy High School zone, so I'm drinking the red Kool-Aid, as they say. That's where we are, right out here in old Katy off of Avenue D. Coach, I'm in Kane Island, man. You and I need to, we need to start hanging out more. I, I did not me know me you too. were here. I'm anymore. right over in Pine Lake, so I'm right across the, the bayou from you. All right, well, me and Coach Larry just became best friends, like on Step Brothers, <laughs> and so what? <we'll- laughs> we will hang out this summer uh, maybe we can meet up and hang out but th- that's very cool man very excited to hear that and i can see it just kind of moving here now it's not even football season yet but i can just i can just feel the civic pride in, in, in like old town katie it is kind of different this is i love seven lakes my best one of my best friends the coach out there and i love the other schools you know west cole's a basketball guy i'm a good friend of right. seven lakes but there's something special about the old town katie it, it right. still has that old feel it does well, very cool. And so you mentioned Westbury Christian, and you, I was blown away by this. You're coaching freshman football. Josh Gordon was your free safety because freshman year before he transferred to Lamar. Yeah, I, I have been around some guys that played in the NFL. When I was at Clements, Derek Carr was our quarterback. Yeah. However, I was a freshman team coach, and he was our star quarterback, leading us to a regional final appearance. I, I don't. I wouldn't necessarily say I coached Derek Carr. So I've never had a few, for a a future NFL player that I'm actually communicating with on a daily basis what was that like coaching Josh Gordon
1: it was it was great I mean he was uh you know like I said he was coming in as a freshman he came over he and his older brother Harold came over in the spring as we were going through spring drills and uh you know he was sort of just sitting back in the back at first and I told him I said look this is not like a public school like just go out here and show that you can play they're going to be opportunities for you because we don't have the same numbers And so, like I said, he didn't even really play receiver for us. We had him back at free safety. He covered so much ground. His hands were huge. Uh, One of the funny stories about him is, you know, when we're doing special teams where he would always be back just to receive kickoffs. And, you know, I I have large hands. I can catch the ball with one hand. That's not a big deal. But there would be end-over-end kickoffs, and he would catch those with
0: one hand. As a freshman.
1: Yeah, as a freshman. It was just unbelievable to me. Uh, just the, the amount of ability that was
0: just sort of oozing off of him. So, yeah. So did you, did you have an inkling of pro ball player when, at that time? I only coached football two years.
1: Sure. I didn't really know what, I mean, we had another kid, Kevin Perry, uh, who was a linebacker. He played at UTEP, got moved to the offensive line. Uh, his dad was actually a, a Denver Broncos offensive lineman back when they won the Super Bowl. Um. So I knew that potentially, you know, there could, in some of those kids somewhere down the line, maybe there might be, but only coaching football for two, not really knowing what to look
0: for. No, I can't, I can't say that I knew that. Sure. And I mean, I guess at the time when I was around Derek, I didn't necessarily know that he'd be a pro player. Of course, I knew his brother was David Carr, who was playing for the Texans at that time. So I knew he had the bloodlines, but I just feel like pro athletes, they are built different. They're wired different, especially kids that have been around high level athletics like Derek Carr, whose brother was, you know, number one uh, NFL draft pick. I I always like to tell this story, this conversation I had with Derek. where He was out after school one day, just working on some routes, and I was talking to him. And at the time, this is when the spread offense was really becoming in vogue. So not everybody was doing it. This was maybe 06, 07. And we, at Clements, we ran like a pro style of offense where, we you know, ISO, toss, bootleg, play right. action. And at the time, Elkins, Fort Ben Elkins was running this, this new high powered spread that was all the craze. And right. they were setting all these records. they their quarterback. I think his name was Burke Halter, but he's setting all these records. And I asked Derek, I said, Derek, I think you're, you're, you're the best quarterback in this district. Does it bother you that, that, that people that run a spread offense are outperforming you in terms of statistics? No hesitation, coach. He looked me right and said, he looked me right in the eye and said, not at all. And I, I that wasn't the answer I was expecting from a seven, 16, 17 year old kid. And he said, right. I'm going to play in the NFL. That offense is not what they run in the NFL. I want to make NFL throws. And that's what I'm doing here at Clements. And that just blew me that mindset. I mean, I'm curious your thoughts. Cause you're, you're real big on mindset and then the mental side of the game. What do you think about that response from Derek Carr as a high school junior?
1: Oh, that's incredible. I mean, it's, you know it it reminds me a little bit of we had a kid Wayne Taylor who was our quarterback for a while he went and played baseball at Stanford and i was told i don't know if this is true but i was told a story that in between his freshman and sophomore year when they were going through spring drills that you know he stepped back and he made a throw and i was told from somebody that coach Koch told walked up to him and said you know i probably would go here in, in this situation and that I mean, it, said, I can throw it in that window. And if that's if that actually happened, that's another one of those moments where you're just like, whoa, like that's 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 pretty impressive.
0: Yeah, I mean, I I really love that, man. And, you know, can we talk about Coach Koch for a second? Let's do a little diversion because let's do it. When I was head coach, I was head coach at Aldine for two years, and my my uh my first year we were in district uh, with you guys. Memorial was in our district, and so I got to I got to interact with Coach Koch. I would describe him as a larger than life personality. I mean, very gregarious, funny kind of guy, huge personality, you know, and just really kind of just just lights up the room, is how I would describe it. I'm just curious, man. Like, what, what are what are some of your stories? Because he seems like a larger-than-life character, somebody that I always really enjoyed my interactions with him. And the cool thing is, I believe he's been the head coach for over 30 years. Is that is that accurate? I mean, he's been there before I was a, play, a high school player. <laughs> if I'm not mistaken,
1: now that the guy retired from Cal Allen. Um, that Bill just- Danaher, yep. Yeah. If I'm not mistaken, he may be the longest-tenured coach in the state. We were talking about this – one or two summers ago at strength and conditioning camp, a few coaches. And so that's sort of what we came up with. I I could be totally wrong on that, but he may be the longest tenure coach at the state in a state at one spot. Um, You know, that man is incredible. He's very supportive, but not like overbearing, you know, he he'll, he'll tell me, Hey, you know, that's not really the way that I would play basketball, but it's not my program. It's your program. So, you know, (laughs) You do do what you do, and and he allows me to go out and to put in a plan for my program, and if I need something, I can go talk to him, and I kid you not, it could be the day before the Stratford game, if I have an issue and I try to talk to an assistant athlete, instead of talking to him, he may be upset with me, Mm. because he's there for all the sports, literally. Like, yeah. It's not just I'm here to serve football during football season and I'll deal with you later. He's here for Memorial High School athletes, coaches, and community, and he's going to do that regardless of what time of, of season it is. And so, no, just an incredible leader and, yeah, all the things that you said,
0: yeah. Let, let's, let's dig into some of the Memorial stuff here since, you know, maybe some parents will, will listen. And I actually had a little bit of an audience this year because I called several – Memorial High School football games. I had the pleasure of getting to watch several, especially down the stretch and some of those big games. And you know, I, I remember. Uh, in addition to that, I also did a uh, basketball game, uh, Memorial versus Stratford. I, I did the boys basketball game. That's where I saw the tail end of your game. Yeah. Uh, or or uh, Riley uh, was was the last name again? Riley McCloskey. Riley McCloskey. I remember she was just raining three pointers, and that. Yeah but let's let's reflect on that a little bit for your basketball parents listening that was my memory of it it's a game that got out of hand Stratford's got a good team but I mean you guys you guys were definitely the better team and it started getting away a little bit but Riley McCloskey's three-point barrage is like something I don't know if I've ever seen before uh in in high school basketball can you can you describe that the memories of that game
1: he's just incredible I, I mean specifically with the memory of that game I think that game we may have been struggling in the first quarter. And then the second quarter, it may have been close. I know one of the games it was at halftime, it was really close. And then the third quarter, we just sort of came out and imposed our will uh, on them. And, and you know, we can score. We've got a lot of kids that can put the ball in the hole. You know, we're a program that we don't want to limit you. We want everybody to want to score because if you want to score, you're going to make opportunities easier for everyone else. And so, uh, you know, once things get rolling – it just, it becomes fun to watch. It's fun to play in and things of that nature.
0: So. Yeah, no, I, I definitely, that, that was that, that was that Coleman Coliseum. It was towards the tail end of the season there. And then, so here's the story, you know, so I I go, I go up to to call this next game and I go down to talk and Brett Nixon's an old friend of mine. We're we're the same graduating class. He went to Kempner. I went to Austin. We actually went to the same middle school as kids. So, you know, me and Brett go way back. He was coaching a Fort Ben Travis when I was at Clements. And so we got, had a couple of battles there. Um, but anyway, so I, I always talked to Brett, but I went to go talk to Dave Lay, you know, the head boys basketball coach for the Mustangs, and I was just kind of just saying, "Hey, coach, you know, how do you feel about the game?" And, and you know, how, you know, just just, and it was incredible, coach. The testimonial he gave, he kind of looked, he looked at me, and said, "I'm I'm the luckiest man." It, it was kind of like the Lou Gehrig speech. He's like, "I'm the luckiest man in, in the world," and I go, "Oh yeah, coach, what, why is that?" And he said, like, he just talked about his team. Mm-hmm. you know and he said like every single one of, and i oh i know what it was coach i asked him i said hey who, who should i watch for tonight is there anybody you want me to recognize that kind of really works hard and he goes coach every single one of them do and he goes yeah. that's why i love being here every single one of them lay it on the line for me every single practice every minute of every practice every minute of every game and he says you know why it's because of their parents yeah he goes the parents in this community demand excellence yeah and, I was a little blown away, Coach, because I've done a lot of pregame interviews. I don't think I've ever gotten an answer quite like that. Mm-hmm. Can you speak to that? Because I'm sure what you're, on the boys' basketball side is probably very similar to what you're seeing on the girls' basketball side. Can you can you speak to that sentiment that longtime coach Dave Lay said to me?
1: Yeah, no, and I, and I worked with him for four years. I right. was an assistant for four years, and, I mean, he's absolutely right. That's Expectations and standards are huge, whether that be within the program or whether that be within the home. And so our kids want to be the best that they can be on the court. Yes, but you don't just turn that switch on and off. They want to be the best that they can be in the classroom. I mean, for instance, uh, um, uh, three, the last three years, I've had a starter that's a valedictorian at Memorial. High.
0: Three years in a row. That's incredible.
1: It, it really is. It and really is. Not just a player, but a starter. Who is a who's a valedictorian at Memorial High School?
0: Um, Coach, can I ask you this? Because I, I had this experience when I was a student. Of course, this was in 2002 that I graduated. But mm-hmm. those of us that played four years of athletics, we had the athletic period, and so it would it would not count as an honors credit, where you know you get like a six point on a on a six points for an A, where right. you can only get a maximum of four. Is that same hurdle in place for for your girls, where they're because they're in athletics, they're at a little bit of a disadvantage with their GPA, or has that been changed?
1: No, I think it's changed a little bit because I know that the top score you can get is like a 6.5714 okay. something or other. And so I know that, you know, they start working on this from the time they're in the eighth grade and they start planning things out to make sure that they've taken everything that they need to take and not only taken those things, but excel them. And so it's just, I mean, it's absolutely amazing man year one of them's a vow one of them's a sal, and the other one's in honors uh, you know one of them wants to do biomedical engineering the other one wants to be a doctor and the other one wants to be a nurse and i have no doubt that they're all going to be successful in their field because of who they are the character of who right. they are the way that they pursue excellence and the passion with which they're going to chase the things that they're studying
0: yeah, that it really blew me away. Kind of watching on Twitter and seeing some of the majors and you know and, and desires of these kids. We you know what they want to do as they, as they grow up. And man, Memorial High School for people that aren't from the Houston area, I mean that's probably perhaps one of the most competitive, rigorous academic institutions at the yeah. high school level. So again, not to say that athletes should be scoring any lower, but we understand the realities, how much time they're putting into it. And then just the, how tired they must be after these practices and to still crack open the books or the iPad later that night. So it, it really is something extremely impressive. And yeah.
1: I'll give you one more thing to go with it. Sure. So obviously during tournament time, you know, we start off that first tournament weekend, we go to Austin, we play the beautiful tournament. So we miss Thursday and Friday of class there. And so the kids are always worried about that. You know, can I go early and go make something up, take this test? The next week we do the McDonald's tournament. And if we play at, you know, noon on, on Thursday, coach, can we hurry up and get back so I can get to my seventh period class? I'm in AP Cal. I don't want to miss AP Cal. And if when I was in high school, oh, we got a tournament? You
2: don't have to go to school today?
1: It's great, right? But no, not these kids. They're They're, they're different, and I, I love them for it.
0: One other thing I just want to say about the, that, that I just love that. that again, I, I probably would have been a little bit like you. Mm-hmm. I will give one distinction. I did receive an award for not missing a single day of school. So I always was that kid that I liked going to school. You know, I liked yeah. going to school and I was always there. But yeah, if I'm on a track meet or something and I can, I wasn't necessarily hurrying back. Right. <laughs> Man, I, like I said, I've, I've just fallen in love with the whole program just covering it you know a lot this past season got just for whatever reason because assigned a lot of memorial games and it, it it reminds me of when I was at Aldine in our junior varsity matchup uh against memorial and I think we actually played it out there in spring branch one of my linebackers suffered uh basically a big injury a severe injury I don't you know I can't say too much about it but like yeah. he had a very threatening injury the memorial community really mobilized and helped helped a lot of that family to, to work through that, that situation. I'll never mm-hmm. forget that an opposing school and a junior varsity game, not, not to minimize junior varsity, but I mean, just, it, you know, it wasn't something that was in on the front of the eye of everyone. And the parents really banded together and were so kind and worked so diligently to help, you know, support, support us going through that experience. So it's just, that's something I did want to recognize. Like it, I've really found it to be a very cool community. It is. Now, last question, because I, I like I said I, I had so much interaction with Memorial this year. I got to ask you a couple things since you're there on campus. Covering the football team, what was the name of that quarterback you said? Wayne? Wayne Taylor. A few years Wayne ago. Wayne Taylor. I do I do vaguely remember that name as a good quarterback coming through Memorial, but Chase Goodwin.
2: Yeah.
0: I don't know if you've ever interacted with him, but the quarterback, you know, for the Mustangs. Chase was
1: in my accounting one and my accounting two class.
0: So yeah. Oh, th- this is gonna be fun. Man. well you know i'm watching i'm, I'm commentating these games and they kind of get off to a little bit of a slow start memorial did you know they beat seven legs, but then kind of dropped you know i know he was injured against pearland right and i saw the season unfolding and still Memorial's doing great but when, when he came in i think it was a game against jersey village if i remember correctly but this guy went off like to me it felt like tim tebow he's like trucking through people getting up signaling first down and i can I, I watched him as he came off the sideline, just like pumping up the crowd. And I'm like, oh, my God, this this kid is like the he's got this this whole crowd eating out of his hand. He is that lightning. Right. He is that guy <laughs> for yeah, the Memorial yeah. Mustangs. And it's so cool. You had him in class. So I just got to ask. I'm a fan of his, you know, as a commentator. I'm so happy to see him go on to the Ivy League and take his talents up to New York City and, and play for Columbia. But what was he like in class? Well, you know, what, what kind of what kind of skills did you see in class that, that lead to his success on the field?
1: He's incredible. I mean, he's an incredible communicator. Uh, He's just an incredible student. Obviously, you mentioned he's going to Columbia. Um, He's just, he did a really good job, you know, with all the students, you know, whether it was accounting one when I had more kids in that class and this year in accounting two when there were only about 14 of us, you know, really just our class coming together and working through issues and You know, we took a trip up to Deloitte and so to downtown uh, Houston to Deloitte. And just so to see him interacting in that space, uh, just an incredible person. Obviously, like you said, an incredible football player. And, you know, I'm sure he'll do incredible things in the future as well.
0: You know, and the cool thing I got to also do is I covered the like uh, Spring Branch Youth Football League, like Tully Bowl. Yeah, yeah. That was so cool to watch, and they had the high school kids that, that played as youth and you know, all. They they were still coming out, and at that moment, I actually got to shake hands with Chase Good when he came up to the booth. I interviewed him for the broadcast, and Max Wang, you know, another player yeah. that that I became a big fan of. It was just incredible, and also there was a linebacker from Stratford named Cooper King, who I also am a big fan of. That's yeah. the kind of their star inside linebacker. But the, I got to talk to those three. And I know sometimes you know people will say like oh you know it's it's the old man get off my lawn kind of thing you know people like me I'm approaching forty sometimes you hear people say I have kids these days you know getting to talk to those three kids just for a couple minutes man really restored my faith in humanity in the future because they were just so engaged and polite and respectful and intelligent I mean it just it really I, I don't know I just I just wanted to, I wanted to recognize that on the air and just kind of see if you wanted to add anything as being someone that that is part of educating you know our future.
1: I mean, like I said, I mean, just an, an absolute leader. You talk about both of those, uh, both um, both of them are involved in FCA. You know, both of them are, are leaders in FCA. And they meet in my classroom every Tuesday and they lead their, their things and get all the interaction from the other members of FCA involved. And our FCA leaders do an incredible job with them. So it's just fun just to sort of see. Of course, I didn't know him as a freshman, you know. One of the neat things about coaching is you get to know somebody from the time they're a freshman all the way through senior year. But it was neat for me to see him progress from junior year through senior year. I imagine it was just really neat for their football coaches and that staff to see them progress from freshman all the way through. That's you know that's really the joy that we get.
0: Very cool. Well, enough about the the football side of it. I had a lot of fun with that, and then I also got to call one of your games. So I, I did the boys' yeah. game to end the season. And let's just talk about that run that you guys had. Well, let me start with the roster. I guess the names that really just stick out of my head. I remember McCloskey, Tomoski, you mm-hmm. know, and then Nicky Polichak just went off right. <laughs> this game that I did in the playoffs. Uh, you guys were actually playing Katie Tompkins. Yeah. I mean, and aside from that, you had freshmen coming in and, and, and hitting corner threes. And I mean, I just the whole thing was just really impressive. You know, if, if we look back and we kind of just run through your, your, your playoff, you're able to win the district championship, which I know was a huge uh, accomplishment that you were very proud of, but in the playoffs, you, you started off with, with a victory over Heights high school. Mm-hmm. And then the really, you know, what I would consider, I hate to say it coach, but I also do a prediction show. I, I heard you're nodding your head. So I, <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Thank you for not tracking me down and shaming me on Twitter. Um, I do a prediction show for anybody that follows me called H-Town Pick'Em and I pick high school football games mostly, but I actually was picking some girls basketball playoffs and I was such a fan of Katy Seven Lakes. I host, I host the Seven Lakes High School pod, Sports Podcast and uh, I had Coach on my show and I, I just, I thought I'm, I'm blushing now having you here with me and I, I feel like very I'm talented. just so embarrassed. They are very talented. I, I picked Seven Lakes and boy, did you prove me wrong and yeah, I, I was proven wrong. You got the big sixty-three to fifty-four victory up there uh, at the Campbell Center, you know, my old stomping grounds, and you really left no doubt there. I mean, it's a good nine-point win in the playoffs. We all know it's so hard to do. Mm-hmm. Can you talk about that that game in particular? Because I know that was that was a big one. That you know, I think I think maybe you know, a, a pundit like me, I, I watch, uh, you know, I follow high school basketball. I know Memorial's always good, but they've never just in girls basketball, you know, quite burst through that ceiling to get past a team like seven lakes in round number two. And so this year you did it, you did it definitively. Can you talk about how important that one was Just your memories in that game?
1: It was huge for us because since 2005, 2005 was the last time that we had won a second round game. We had been in the playoffs every year, except for one from the year 2000. And, um, the fact that we were able to take it to that next level and get through seven lakes, uh, you know, incredible game. We scored 22 points in the first quarter. Had a big lead. The fire alarm actually went off in the first quarter and we played about a minute and oh 20 seconds in the second quarter with it still going off. Scored another 22 points and got up 44 to 18, I think, going into the half and then just wow. sort of held on there at the end because they made a furious push and come back and, you know, they're very talented and Coach Spurlock does an incredible job and but we were happy to get that win, and then we just – we wanted to continue going. And and that's where the Tompkins, Tompkins game that, that you talked about came in.
0: Yeah, that was a really good game. And Katie Tompkins had a I, – I can't remember her name, but a star that's gone. I know she's going to play at SFA, and she was trading No, buckets. she
1: actually decommitted. She's going to UNLV,
0: Macy Spencer. Okay. Macy Spencer. That was it, yeah. So, I mean, that – That was back and forth. Like I felt like you guys kind of shell shocked him a little bit at the beginning, but Mm -hmm. then of course, true to form, they're a very good team. They fought their way back into it, but you know, it's just incredible. You you make it to uh, to summer Creek, which uh, regional final, correct? Regional semis. Regional semis. Okay. So you made it to the regional semis. Can you, can you talk about, can you talk about that game and what it was like, you know, you fell short. But mm-hmm. it had to be that feeling, and you've already beaten some of the area's greats, you know, in, in a Seven Lakes and a Tompkins. But now you really are punching at the elite level. I mean, you 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 right. are now Summer Creek. You're talking state elite level basketball. Right? What did that feel like for a team like you said you've never been past the second round since 2005? What did it feel like to kind of be that Cinderella team that's that's made it to this moment?
1: It felt good because those are all the things that you know we were talking about that it, this was this was capable. For us to get to that point. And so for us to lose five of our first nine games, I believe, uh, and then just to persevere and to fight through, you know, some of the things that we were fighting through. I think some of the expectations originally of being, I think, ranked preseason number eight, uh, I think that jumped on us a little bit in the beginning. But to be able to fight through all of that, uh, to get to the position that we got to and to get back to that moment where we were literally. 18 hours away from potentially making a trip to state like just thinking about that it's just it gives me
0: chills and and for those kids you know it's just a special memory that we'll always have it's it's so cool i mean i'm I'm just i've, I've had carlessa dixon as an alum of this show that's an episode i see nodding your head hopefully you know you yeah. checked out you checked out that episode laquisha dickerson from fort ben austin yeah. i mean I love girls basketball. I've fallen in love with it ever since I was at all, Dean Jennifer Salazar, who's now yes. the Pasadena Memorial. I guess you know her as well. So the Pasadena that, Memorial yeah. coach. she's an alum as well. And she came on the show. I've just fallen in love with, with that game so much. Uh, Angela Spurlock has not been on this podcast, but like I said, I host the seven lakes sports podcast and I've talked yes. to her there, but I just love it, man. I, I love the level of coaching, the level of play, Man, what a fun season! Let's let's talk a little X's and O's, you know, because I know right. that's something you know you and I have talked about a little bit, you know, on on our our uh, messages through you know a messenger. And can you describe your style? Because I'm sure a lot of basketball coaches are tuning in. They're they're curious about this big. I don't want to call it a turnaround because you guys have been trending up, but this incredible season that you've had. What are are there any things you feel like offensively or defensively that you've hang, hung your hat on? I know you're very big into analytics. I mean, you are one of those high school programs that is charting you're charting the shots like like a professional program would you're getting data from it do you want anything you want to speak to that you felt like was the biggest thing to kind of get you past being a district power to now becoming like a a regional power
1: i think it's i mean mainly it's the kids i mean Mm. the kids are the one the way i see it it's my job to sort of raise the floor of the program and the kids that are in the program are going to determine what the ceiling is right and so we've had a lot of really good players. And so our ceiling has been really high lately. And hopefully, you know, I've done a good enough job of, of setting a, a, a foundation for, for who we're going to be and establishing what those expectations are. But as a program, we're going to be one that's going to value spacing and we're going to value shooting. And offensively, those are the things that we're going to value. Because, like with the Seven legs game, they've got you know the two sisters that are six-two and six-three, and they're dominant. They are. If you allow them to, the only we don't have six-two and six-three kids. You know we don't play in that third dimension. We're gonna stretch it lengthwise by playing with pace. We're gonna stretch it with pacing by playing wide, but we can't play with that third dimension. Uh, they can. And so we want to pull them away from the basket because they're worried about this kid that they're guarding making this three-pointer so that we can get to the basket. Mm. And if I put five people on the floor that are able to space and shoot, then that's going to make it easier for us to not only get to the basket, but if the help comes, now when we kick
0: out, we're going to be able to shoot those threes as opposed to you know, shooting some tough contested two. One thing that stood out to me defensively, I mean, I, I know – I was a football coach primarily, but my second sport was always basketball. And I, I'm one of those former fat guys that always thought he was a hooper. You know, I was that little chubby kid that like I, might, I wanted to be a baller, you know. <laughs> but
2: right.
0: eventually I realized like my my stock is better on the football field. And so I loved coaching basketball. Coach Sniffin, my head coach at Ridgepoint, you know, he, I would always say, I Coach, I don't want to do track. Uh, most football coaches want to do track. I said, I want basketball. Give right. me basketball, <laughs> you know, and I would demand it. I always would play and I always kind of followed like the, the Bennett kind of philosophy, the Bennett family. We played a blocker mover style of offense. What I loved, yeah. since I'm a football coach, I didn't really know any plays. And so I'd rather just teach a system of offense and let the kids go. I right. like to focus on defense. And so we would press after made baskets. And then if, if you could break our press, we would then do the exact opposite would heavily retreat into a pack line defense. Mm-hmm. That's not you guys. You guys are, in people's faces i was really impressed with the defensive intensity in the half court from your team can you talk about your defensive principles because it was something especially early on you could tell it flustered a very good team like Tompkins. it took them some time to kind of acclimate to your speed and intensity can you kind of describe how you teach defense
1: um really this year what we really focused on was what is the other team's strengths how can we limit those strengths And uh, for Tompkins, I mean, like you said, Macy, just incredible. I mean, they beat us uh, two years ago in the playoffs in the second round, and she was incredible then. Uh, They had the kid, the Riri DeLeon kid, who the way I described it to my team when we were preparing for it, she is the best shooter that we've played this year. And so that's why whenever we gave up a few looks in that second half, I was just like, we can't. You know, we can't not be connected to it. So I think this year was more game to game. Like, what does the other team do well? I think we can get to 60 points. How can we limit them from getting to that? And so funny story, I was talking to one of our boys' assistants because that whole process came up late in the year. And I was like, I just, I think we can get to 60. And I just, if we do this, I don't think that they can get to 60. And so when they were coming back from their game and they found out we won, he was like, well, what's the score? And I think the 62 to something. He was just like, he thought they could get to 60, and they got to 62. Uh, How is that possible? So, you know, it's just trying to really know what our strengths were. And this year our strengths were offense. Um, I think that's going to be a strength of ours next year. But I think defensively we'll be stronger. Uh, but this year, with offense being our strength, it was, this is where I think we can be. What can we do to limit the other team from getting to that same amount?
0: Oh, man, no, I, I really love, love hearing that. And I got to ask you one question. Just, uh, you know, we're talking all the things Memorial here. And I, I remember going into your gym as a boys basketball coach. You spent four years on the boys side with Dave Lay, mm-hmm. Brett Nixon, the fan section. Oh, the sailors, <laughs> the sailor. Okay. I just remember, all I remember is they're wearing captain's hats and, and, you know, like boat shoes and stuff. <laughs> they were Man. just great. Yeah. Especially when he's at the home gym, I saw them, yeah. you know, at Coleman Coliseum It just with the size, but that's why I like playing at the campus personally. I mean, I Man. love Coleman Coliseum, great venue, just great ambiance in there, but I just like being in the gym. I just think there's something about the acoustics in there and just the, the, the being so close to the action, but Can you describe that sailor group? Cause I just thought they were great. They're
1: incredible. You know, we don't, they don't necessarily come to our games as much, but like I said, from being on the boys side, you know, all the, the chanting that they do the dance offs that they do during halftime and, you know, different things like that. They, they get in and they're very organized. You know, they have, people that are in charge of it and they make sure that they know what the champs are going to be and they yeah. make sure they know the other team's players. And so it's, they want to be a part of it and and they do a good job of, of doing that.
0: Yeah, that that's the fun of, that's the fun of high school athletics. And, I, I you know, I, I just always remember that. But before we, before we leave the memorial, so I got to ask you, what was it like working with Brett Nixon? I mean, that's, that's my old buddy there. What t- Give me a good Nixon story.
1: Oh man, it was, it was just great. I mean, you know him. I mean, he's, yeah. we, we all of us are just basketball junkies right and so it was neat to have another person who although uh he wasn't on my staff I could you know hey here's what I'm thinking tell me what you're what you see with this I could go to him I could bounce ideas off of him he could throw some things back at me you know we're still connected to this day and we'll you know talk about some of the things that we're trying to do next year and he'll try to you know Break it and 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 make me think about okay what would I do in these situations. So just having somebody, I like being around people that are passionate. Yeah. And so he's somebody that's passionate about whatever it is that he's involved in, and that's that's why I love him.
0: Did you also get to work with Jason Campbell? I know he spent some time at Memorial as well. I don't know if you you crossed paths, but uh, he was also he's an alum of the show and a friend of mine. We all coached at Clements High School together.
1: Yeah, so Jason, actually, when I moved over to the girl side 13 years ago, Jason came in and took my spot. Okay. So he replaced me on the boys' side. So, yeah, been quite a few times with him, and, you know, he's uh, an author. I don't know if you knew that. I know he's a podcaster. I love listening to his podcast when he puts that you stuff out, but I've not read his book. book. He has a book called Stranger Danger, and you need to encourage him to write his second book because he's got another one that he could put out. But
0: he has a book. It's called Stranger Danger. You should, What's it you should, about? I'll, I'll just leave that for you. I will yep. find. I'm gonna. I'm gonna. I'm gonna text him as soon as we get up and ask about this. He never brought that up to me. He 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 is published. I call him published. Wow. Okay. Very impressive. Jason Campbell, author and yeah. head basketball coach of the Northbrook Raiders. <laughs> exactly. Man. Very cool. Uh, did not know that. Oh gosh. You threw me off of that one. I did not know. I was about to bring up, I mean, he is, he is a, I don't know what adjective I want to use to describe him with his Chiefs fandom, but no, I mean, he... I, I know you're a Bears fan. We're going to talk about that, but he, he is a, he is a, a vehement Chiefs fan. He'll let you know about it. He will,
1: even <laughs> before they were winning.
0: So I, I will give him credit for that. This was pre-Mahomes. That he true. Was I, he's loyal, he, he is, he's one of the real fans. Not A lot of Chiefs fans have come out of the woodworks these past couple of years, which I question the true. validity, but uh, that's not Jason Campbell. He's also a noted Tom Brady hater. And we <laughs> talked Very about that on our so, episode as well. Which I have an issue with and we talk about quite frequently. Absolutely. I'm on your side, Coach, as I, as I sit here wearing my Juwan Howard Michigan jersey, but – Man, that was a lot of fun, uh, you know, uh, talking on, on the memorial side of it. A lot of fun talking, you know, the women's side of the game. I encourage any of my my listeners, like, I mean, I'm a Houston Dash season ticket holder. I'm a UH women's basketball season ticket holder. I, I love supporting women's athletics. Let's do it. You know, let's do it. Let, let's 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 normalize getting out there and going to these games, supporting and talking about it and tweeting about it and all that kind of stuff. I'm all for it. And the last thing I want to say is, and I'm sure you, you probably feel the same way. Can we get the Houston Comets back? Ooh, there we go. If that happens, I'm there. I'm getting yeah. season tickets. You know, I know I'm busy. Maybe can't go to every game, but I will have season tickets, and I will be there every time that I can. Let's do it. Yeah, no, man. So that was great, Coach. Let's let's kind of move beyond it, man. You had a great season. This is something I always ask ask my coaches. Ever since I've left coaching, I've gotten into broadcasting. It's, it's, and I have a day job. I work for Dactronics selling scoreboards, but I just, I love the game so much. I'm just such, I'm a geek about it. You know, I just love being there. So I I broadcast multiple games every week in football and basketball season. Now that I'm in the broadcast booth instead of up in the press box or on the sideline, I can hear more of some of the bad parent interactions. And I don't want to, it's not all parents, but there are some out there, you know? basketball can be really bad sometimes because you're in a gym. You're not in a stadium with the band glaring. And so there's a lot of times you can hear what these people are saying. I just think that that's so bad. I, I share on my show all the time. Like, you know, in my personal life, I had a really bad relationship with my father. You know, we had some dysfunctional things going on at the house. And so I, I loved it. That's why I never missed a day of school. I didn't want to be at home. And so my coaches like kind of saved my life, you know, and they're so important. So when I see parents, yelling at coaches or officials or all these people that make up this beautiful fabric of what makes high school athletics so beautiful. It, it really it sometimes makes me angry. Sometimes it makes me sad. Sometimes I'm somewhere in between. You've been doing this a long time, coach. You've seen a lot. What, what would you recommend? Cause I think it's a little bit of an epidemic. You know, we are losing officials and that's going to be a big problem if we, if we can't curb that, but what do we need to do as, as a society to try to curb this instinct for some people to behave so, in my opinion, badly at these sporting events?
1: That's a great question. Um, I mean, I think you could go something as general as just love. (laughs) I mean, I think that the world in general could use more love. Uh, I think that, um, you know, trust and trusting more, um, you know, uh, we're professionals, Right, not saying that we don't make mistakes because I tell my kids all the time, I make mistakes every game. They miss shots, referees miss calls. I make mistakes. Like it just happens. It's the mm-hmm. cycle of life. And that happens for everybody. If i is a doctor, I'm not going to be going to them, talking to them about how they should perform this surgery mm-hmm. because they're the professional in that situation. And so yeah. I think I'm, I'm going to trust them that they know what's best in that situation or what you could, you know, swap that out for whatever profession it is that someone's in. But I think that just love and trust and then just benefit of the doubt. Like Coach Lay, who teaches a leadership class, one of the the things that, that they talk about all the time and there is most of the times people aren't doing things against you. They're doing things for themselves. And so the first few times that I heard that and that really sunk in, it really just changed my aspect on a lot of things in life. You know, if you're driving down 10 and somebody cuts over in front of you, they're not really doing that against me. And once I change the way that that's framed in my head, Mm -hmm. then it sort of helps me deal with things. I think that somebody's doing something against me, then I'm always going to be in a defensive mood. But if I just realize that sometimes those people are doing things for themselves, then now it it allows me to stay more positive and hopefully be more of an impact for for others.
0: I want to ask you about another situation. I brought this up on the show a couple of times. The situation I was placed in one time, I'm setting up for a game uh, in a t- basketball tournament. So, again, we're in this little gym and we're setting up our sound equipment. And uh, there's some parents in front of me and we're watching the, the tournament games going on before the game. We we're going to broadcast and they're very friendly to me initially. And we're just talking, you know, and I said, Oh, you see your kids play whatever. And, and it, it, it turns out that the, that the, this team that, that that they are parents of the head coach is a good friend of mine, which I have a lot of friends mm-hmm. in coaching. And I, I actually just happen to casually say, Oh yeah. You're uh, you know, the coach coach is my buddy. Instantly their demeanor changed. Yeah. It instantly changed where they were so friendly to me initially They instantly change, and and the the dad turns around and looks at me, and he says, well, you might want to close your ears then because we don't like him. He's a bad coach, and yada, yada, I I was shocked, coach. My mouth dropped, and I literally said, okay. I mean, I I did not know how to respond to that. And as the game went on, it's just as you could expect. They're screaming at officials constantly in these dead ball situations where everybody hears them just berating officials. They're, they're questioning the coaching, of course, they hate the coach. They're questioning kids on the team that aren't, you know, and it's just, it's just like one of the most uh just toxic things I've ever really seen up close and personal at a sporting event. And I was, I was so close to wanting to say something like, you know, you people, your parents are the problems that make this so bad. But then I was like, I that's not going to end well. Yeah. And I've, I've talked to several of my guests. And usually the answer they give me is Kobo you you did the right thing you should not have engaged them it wouldn't have solved anything like you'd probably go tell the site administrator and just at least make it known to the site administrator and let them follow their their courses and so that's the advice i may let me give i'm curious for you i mean if i if you're in that situation and you're you're witnessing that like literally a row in front of you you're so close to it because sometimes i feel like we tolerate too much you know we're witnessing this bad behavior right in front of me but like a lot of us just it's that bystander effect or whatever. Like we don't want to be the one to step up and try to help, you know, we want to just sit back. And so I don't know, I'm really torn on a coach. I'm curious your, your opinion. If, if the, if parents in front of, like a row in front of you are really doing that kind of stuff, how would you handle it?
1: Um, when it comes to talking about an individual, I'm not exactly sure because I've I've never really been in in that situation and sure. been faced with that. Now you're going to give me something to think about. Uh, there have been times when, uh, you know, my favorite, one of my favorites, is oh, it's three seconds, it's three seconds, over and over and over, and they keep yelling that, and I'm like, the shot was attempted, and so I try to explain to them when the shot is attempted, that resets, mm. you know, so with some yeah. different rules and, and things of that nature, just trying to educate, so that that way, hopefully, they can, if they're going to be saying things, at least let's say some things that are that are actually right, right, uh, but the other situation. It's it's unfortunate. Luckily for me, I I don't, when the game is going on, I don't know what's going on. It just gets blocked out, luckily. And uh, I guess that's uh, something I'm able to do. Um, Because, yeah, no, those things are, there have even been times that I've heard of that coaches have gone through and as their wives are leaving or their kids are leaving, that people will be telling them that your husband did a terrible job. Which like I just again the love and the just like like just have a little bit of understanding and, and and decency for everything. I think that could go for you know that's beyond sports. Obviously, that's just in general.
0: Coach, you mentioned uh, Coach Lay, and you know he was he was the head co- coach on the boy side, still is. He was the head coach whenever I went in there in two thousand and seven or two thousand and eight. So he he has a long tenure. You've been thirteen years. You mentioned Coach Koch, maybe thirty plus years. That's in our industry, that's not always the case. I mean, coaching can be a, a profession where there is a lot of change and turnover. What What's going on? What's in the water over there at Memorial? Because uh, I think that's a sign of strength. I think that's very important yeah. to have that kind of longevity. I, I support that 100%. But can you do w- w- what's going on? Why, why? How are the coaches having such long tenures? I think it's awesome. You know, it's just a special
1: place to be. I, I truly mean that. It's funny you say that because When Coach Platt interviewed, uh, you know, I was lucky enough to be in on the process when we were interviewing for volleyball coaches. And she, uh, she asked the question and she was like, so what is it like being at Memorial? And I just rose my hand and I think I was the first person to speak. And I said, well, coach, I will tell you this. Of all of the main sports that are here, myself and the softball coach are the shortest tenured people here. And we've both been here for nine years. Wow, And I mean, Coach Lay just finished his 18th season. Coach Koch is probably 36, 37, 38. Coach York has been there in baseball for longer than Coach Lay. I mean, it's our tennis program. It's It just goes on and on and on, the amount of people who've been in place. And I think it goes back to <clears throat> something that I heard Eric Spolstra say earlier this week. He said that you know, people talk about all the success and the heat culture. But they've had so much consistency that they haven't had to do a culture reset in the last 15 years. Mm-hmm. Whereas a lot of these places have had so much turnover, whether it be in coaching, whether it be in players. They're constantly resetting and trying to recreate their culture. Whereas in Miami, things have been in place. They've had you Donis Haslam around for a long time. And so the culture has just carried over as opposed to being reset each and every year.
0: I I totally agree with you on that. Like, I feel like whenever th- that's the buzzword, right? Change the culture. Whenever a new coach comes in, it's always like, we got to change the culture. The thing is, especially, you know, like in these high level sports, you know, pro college, whatever, every t- I feel like every time you bring a new coach, it's like, it's just like buying yourself time. Right. So now we got to, now we got to restart our clock to where we give this coach three years. And then, you know, it's like, I think that the teams that have been consistently good, like a, la a Steelers or a Spurs or a Heat, like what's the common denominator, right? They stick with they stick with the coach. They have the continuity. So, couldn't agree with you more, Coach. And so we'll, that'll kind of wrap up our our uh, talking about high school memorial, you know, and your career. We're gonna move into some fun stuff here. But again, I just I just want to thank you again for your graciousness in in my show. I, I famously kind of went not not viral, but. I predicted Memorial football to beat Cy Fair yeah. and the Cy Fair players got wind of that. And they literally, cause I was saying, Oh yeah, chase Goodwin and Kyle Siblick, it's a one, two domin- combination. They're going to, they're going to play good. The DBs at Cy Fair found that and they're coaching them. They they printed out my face saying that and put it on their <laughs> lockers. And I hate to say it for all the Memorial fans listening. Cy Fair won that game and uh, I had to eat crow. And so yeah. I thank you for being so gracious. You did not rub it in my face at all. So that says the kind, of, the kind of person you are coach. No problem. All right, let's talk about some fun stories. You've met a lot of famous people in the basketball world. Jeff Van Gundy. So for us native Houstonians here, we'll definitely remember that name. And a lot of us remember him hanging off the leg of Alonzo Mourning in that big Heat-Knicks fight (laughs) one year. But Jeff Gundy now, you know, an an analyst. uh, I'd say kind of like an outside-the-box thinker kind of analyst. Like a lot of times he's questioning the call, or even if they do instant replay, he'll still question the call. I I, I enjoy kind of watching. I don't always agree with him. A lot of times I do. Sometimes I don't, but... He's, a, he's just a different kind of thinker. He's wired a little different. Is that yeah. what you experienced when you met him?
1: Uh, he's just more simple than, than what I expected him to be. You know, his daughter was playing in a fall league over at our place when I first took over. I think she was at Episcopal. And uh, the last – I left him alone most of the time. But the last night, I was like, I'm just going to – myself. And I was like, I'd love to get together and talk a little basketball. And he was like, here's my number. You know, let's get together. Wow. And so he invited me out to breakfast. We went to breakfast in West U and I brought Coach Lay along and we just, I took a half day and we just talked basketball for two to three hours. And NBA coach. Yeah. Yeah. NBA coach. And that's incredible. That's awesome. Three or four years later, I had a question about a particular action or what I would want to do around that spacing. Yeah. So I sent him like a message. Like I sent him a text message and within the hour he like responded to a girls basketball coach in Houston yeah. Kansas, that really can't do anything for it.
0: everybody listening, man. If, if you weren't already a Jeff Van Gundy fan, I am a huge JVJ fan. That, that is awesome. Mm-hmm. That That is so cool, man. That is so cool that he, he like, no, he's not too, he's not big time in anybody. You know, I just, I love people like that.
1: A matter of fact, there was one, he went to one of our boys games and he actually mentioned on the broadcast about Grayson Bueller, who was one of our <clears> – <throat> excuse me. He was one of our boys players, and he was going off making a lot of shots at night. And so this game had gotten out of hand. And in the the national telecast, he actually mentioned that he was out watching this basketball game, this high school basketball game, and Grayson Bueller was going off. And then yeah. all, he was talking about a need for a shot clock in high school, yeah. which we do need. And he talked about how the other team then just pulled it out And as Memorial was making this comeback, they pulled it out so that then they would have to extend. And then the game, which was a beautiful game before that, just all of a sudden just stopped, basically.
0: But the next guy that you listed was Drew Hanlon. That's not a name I instantly recognize. And from what I guess I gathered, he's an NBA trainer. Yes, yeah.
1: So Drew, he trains Embiid. He's trained Tatum. He's a St. Louis guy. He played at Belmont. Uh, but he really started his business up when he was in college. And so he started training. He trains Bradley Bill. I mean, he's got a lot of people. Uh, and so I had followed him because, like I said, I'm always trying to learn. And so I was learning a lot of things from him. I had gone to a clinic up in St. Louis, Coach Lay and I did, that he put on. And uh, he reached out to me one day. And he was like, hey, so I got Dwight, because he was working with Dwight at the time, and he was in Houston. And he was like, we need somewhere to work out. Can you get me a gym? And so I was able to to get into Fort B and Travis. I had some people that I knew out there. So we got him into Fort B and Travis. And so it was myself, my twin boys, who were probably seven at the time, Dwight Howard, and two of Dwight's friends and Drew Hanlon that were in Fort B and Travis gym watching him for two days, just put, you know, putting Dwight through workouts. And so just seeing that process, seeing how pros work, seeing how he trains pros, what the interaction was, you know, that was just fun. And just really anybody I like to learn. So anybody that I can look at and learn from, those are the people that I want to be around.
0: You know, we've, we've talked about the importance of, of continuity, whether at Memorial high school it's the length of time, you know, that you coaches, it reminds me a lot of seven lakes also, which I I do their sports podcast. So those are two campuses where like all the coaches have been there 10 plus years, it feels like, but Another guy he listed was John Lucas. Yeah, Not that he's been at with the Houston Rockets for necessarily that same long time period, but he's had several stops at Houston, including being the number one overall draft pick in 1976 to the Houston Rockets as a player three separate times. He was on the Rockets roster and now he's an assistant. So obviously there's an affinity there uh, with Houston and he got to meet him and I know that He's very well respected. I listen to some Rockets podcasts. I know he's very well respected as as an assistant coach that is that great bridge for the players and helping them develop. And so, I'm just curious, what was your what was your interaction of Coach Lucas like?
1: Oh, he's just uh, again, he's just a down to earth person. Who you know, when I first got here, my first event it it was the Icebreaker, I believe, uh, with Westbury Christian or the Fall, whatever the Fall thing was. Gerald Green was in it, and so I'm walking out the door to go get on the phone. I'm talking to one of my friends. And I was like, I just walked past John Lucas. And again, I'm from a small town in Arkansas. So I don't see these people every day. Right. And so, you know, over the years, just sort of talking to him in different gyms and Hey coach, how's your team going? I, you know, I work with some of the Bel Air kids, you know, they y'all are playing them in playoffs. They were, they were talking about y'all and just little bitty things, you know? So the fact that, you know, he's just a, a regular person, just like anyone else. And he's willing to share what he has. And he's, and, and working with the youth and, and and building up their skills as well, not just NBA stuff. You know, he's he's just a, a lover
0: of basketball and, and of people. Coach, we're kind of coming towards the end here. We're going to talk about your favorite teams. You're wearing your Cubs jersey. You're a Bears fan. Yes. And you're a Michigan Wolverines fan, which fans of the show know that I'm that that's my number one team. Can help help me figure this out. Help me help me do the the uh, the algebra here <laughs> to figure this one out. So uh, I'm from Arkansas,
1: right? And so when you're in Arkansas, everybody in Arkansas is a Cardinals fan. If okay. there's one thing that you know about, or that people that know me know, I don't like to be like everyone else. That's the reason why we play so different. You know, for a different style, offensively, defensively, yeah. I like to be different. So I don't want to be a Cardinals fan because everybody else is a Cardinals fan. So the Cubs were on WGN growing up all the time. Yeah. I got to grow yeah. up watching Ryan Sandberg and Sean Dunstan and Mark Grace. And yeah. like, what more could you ask for? So, I mean, yeah, they didn't win until recently. But, you know, it was it was always fun
0: watching those guys play. I love that answer because, uh, you know, I was a Utah Jazz fan growing up. Was it was good. the same thing. I was a contrarian and you know, you know, when you're little, like you go to the library and you read the book about the stars and like I just always like Stockton and Malone. And yeah, I was like, and Malone was my favorite because I mean he was just physically chiseled, you know, and so I, I just wanted to, like I like I was a little chubby kid, I wanted to look like that someday. <laughs> and so anyway, and the thing other thing I love was just I kind of love that they were always good. They you always knew Utah Jazz gonna make the playoffs, but yeah. they could never quite get over the hump. And that also kind of attracted me to them. And I, so growing up, I was actually a, a Detroit Lions fan and uh, a Utah Jazz fan for kind of those similar reasons. I love Barry Sanders. Barry Sanders was was my Walter Payton, my Gail Sayers, because you're a Bears fan, yeah. you know, and uh, same thing. They could never get over the hump. And to me, I know that sometimes you get the bandwagon fans that will jump. They'll suddenly become Chiefs fans. I don't know. Not Jason Campbell. He's, he's, right. he's a real one. But I like the opposite. I yeah. like the struggle. Like give give me the Utah Jazz or the uh, the Detroit Lions. I'm still a Lion. I, My jazz fandom faded away. I'm a, I'm a Rockets guy now. Mm-hmm. But at, at least for a moment, I totally get what you were saying about wanting to be different because everybody hated Utah. Right. You know Stockton. You know and his little elbows on his screen and all that kind of on the screens, all that kind of stuff. But help me understand the Michigan Wolverines. Is it was it just the Fab Five? It was R- really R- R- what was...
1: football. It was really oh, you're a football. Ball.
0: Okay, so I just assumed basketball, but you're, you're yeah, a football
1: guy. Basketball as well, but I mean, okay. it was really just the football. It was this tradition of, of Bo Shambekler, you know, the Tyrone Wheatleys, the yeah. Ch- Biakabatukus and Charles okay. Woodson's, and like just that helmet. Just the Wayne like... helmet, yep. And that's what you saw on TV. They were on TV because they were a premier program. So it's not like now where you could watch – Fox Southwest. We get up and we turn the dial, and yeah. there were four or five channels you could watch. So,
0: man, my, my uh my in laws would love you. I, everything you just said. I mean, like I said, my in laws are season ticket holders, so we do go for Thanksgiving every other year to watch the game uh, at the big house. So, one of these years, man, come with me. I got to You could tailgate with us, man, and we're gonna Done. show you a good time.
2: Done.
0: <laughs> very very cool, man. So. Let's get into the business end of the show. That's where I'm going to put you on the hot seat a little bit here. I'm going to give you, I'm going to ask for a Cubs Mount Rushmore. So of course Mount Rushmore, you know, our are, are four presidents there at Mount Rushmore. So I'm asking for a top four. Give me your Cubs top four of all time. Your Cubs Mount Rushmore.
1: I'd have to go with Ryan Sandberg, Andre Dawson, the Hawk. The Hawk. Uh, Greg Maddox. Even though he left and went to the other place, I still claim him as a Cub. Yeah. And uh, I just love Sean Dunstan. Sean Dunstan
0: and, and I know in the middle were just – that was just fun. Is it cool having Dusty Baker here in Houston and finally getting a ring for Dusty?
1: A little piece of me was, like, satisfied. I mean, that was, like – that was neat. Yeah.
0: Yeah. A little piece of me. Sure. Okay, now let's talk about the Bears. I'm gonna give you. I'm going now we're gonna go start bench cut. So you got to start one, you got to bench one, and you got to cut one. Okay. I've seen the way your team plays defense. They look like middle linebackers. I mean, they're getting in <laughs> people's faces, being physical. Uh, so I'm gonna ask you from. I'm going. We're gonna go middle linebacker edition for the Chicago Bears. Start one, bench one, cut one. Dick Butkus, and, and these are tough because you've had a great lineage of great linebackers yeah. here in the Windy City. Dick Butkus, Mike Singletary brian urlacher
1: you can't go wrong with any of those but i guess what i'm gonna do is i'm gonna stick with the ones that i was actually around for sure, so that's fair as that's great fair. As, as great as buck was we'll sit Buckus. I'll so we're gonna start. cut we're gonna cut buckets a cut yes we'll okay cut okay it's, it's hard to say yeah uh, we will start singletary because mm. if not his eyes are yes just gonna be bouncing back and forth and then Erlocker will, will come off the bench. We'll very him.
0: cool. And I'm pretty sure Mike Singletary is a native Houstonian. I know cool. he played for Baylor. Baylor, yeah. And I'm actually, you know, while we're talking, I'm going to look that up because I'm pretty sure I'm going to find out this out because he played, I'm trying to see, Worthing High School. He was a Worthing Colt. So there you go. I knew he was from no the Houston school. area. So Worthing Colt. So very cool I knew there. He's a Baylor guy, but I didn't know that. Yeah. All right. Now let's finish it, coach. Okay. You, had an, you had an incredible season. I wouldn't trade your starting five for anybody. You know, uh, McCloskey and Tomaski and, and, and Polichek. I mean, they, they were great. Yeah. But if I could put you in the maze and blue, coach, and I could give you the clipboard and put you on the sideline, you could orchestrate your all-time Michigan Wolverine starting five. Who would they be?
1: Let's go with Ramil Robinson. Okay. Let's go with Glenn Rice. Glenn Rice. Love it. Yeah. And then let's go with the, let's go with uh, Jawan Howard, Jalen Rose, and of course, C. Webb. Okay. So, I was, I was going to wonder how much
0: of the Fab Five is going to be in this.
1: Those three. And then I'll go with the other two, the national champions with Real Robinson and Glenn
0: Rice. So you got, you get an old school starting five here. You, you, you didn't go, you didn't kind of go with the newer age and, you know. Yeah. Uh, no, I, those were
1: I was really super duper into it back sure. then I mean they've had some really good teams here recently but I mean the Fab Five just changed the whole
0: absolutely that changed everything it changed the culture of of basketball so all right coach if, if, if y'all enjoyed this as much as I did please take a moment to give us a five-star rating that drives us up the charts so more people can hear these stories from coaches making a difference again spotify Somebody gave us a rating that we are down now down to 4.9. So we got to fix that. Y'all help me out here. Uh, hit the follow button and subscribe and hear new episodes as soon as they come out each week and follow me on Twitter at coach underscore Kovo. That's coach underscore KOVO. You can hit us up at teamplayerpodcast@gmail.com, gmail.com. And we lift up our own inside of team player nation. So I listen, I listen to any kind of suggestion from any of our fans. So if you know a coach that's impacted your life or is coaching your kids or anything, let me know who they are and I will, I will track them down. As always, the cover art and music for the Team Player podcast is provided by two of my former players. The cover art is by Kaiser St. Cyr, and our intro and exit music is one more good enough from Averyon's self-titled debut album. You can find his music on all platforms by searching for Averyon. That's A-V-R-I-O-N. All right. Well, me and Coach Larry, man, we live down the street from each other, so we we might head over to No Label Brewery after the show and and, and go (laughs) hang out and talk some basketball, man. But Coach, it's been so much fun. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Indeed. Thank you for having me. All right, thank you to all the team players out there for your support, and we'll catch y'all down the road.
2: It always feel like I need one more boy one more line, record the track, just one more time. My family think I bump my head. Lost my mind, insurin' them. I'm just fine, I'm good enough, but I need one more boy. One more line, record the track, just one more time. My family think I bumped my head. Lost my mind, insurin' them. I'm just fine, I'm good enough, but I need one more boy. One more line, record the track, just one more time. My family think I bump my head. Lost my mind, ensuring I'm just fine, I'm good enough. But you be told I need some therapy. Initially ain't do it voluntarily, but now I got a legacy.